Join the Jones family with their grown children as they sit around the table to share their passion for marriage, family, and boundaries while providing inspiration, practical tips, and insight into a simple life that glorifies God. Whether you're a Christian or not, there will be takeaways to heat up your marriage, train up your children, and navigate this culture with more wisdom and perspective. All right, so welcome today, and what we're going to go over today is defining biblical masculinity, and what's awesome is in the room today with with me, and obviously all the ladies are in here, but you won't hear much from them today, is Jake, who's with us every week, my son-in-law, uh, Tanner, Hello. who is one of my boys, hey. who's home now from the military until he leaves for a little while longer. And then Nathan is a good buddy of Tanner's who is also in the military. Evening, everybody. And he's going to be hanging out with us as well. So what I want to do is start off, and I'm going to read uh, a little bit of a write-up that I did recently for defining godly um, and biblical masculinity in the church. And as I read through it, we'll probably break up in some sections, guys, and just kind of talk about what we're, we're, he- we're hearing and reading and really just kind of get some dialogue going about this subject because this has been one of those subjects that's come up a couple different times from people who are listening to the podcast. So, So defining biblical masculinity. Defining biblical manhood or masculinity speaks to the importance of the man's role as it has been designed by God. We understand that many men have not had this example growing up, making it that much more important that it is talked about biblically and practically from the pastor at your local church. When a pastor works these concepts into his messages, the whole family benefits. Not only does the whole family hear about God's design, but it provides an opportunity for discussion. And if a charge is given, it takes the pressure off the man who may want to make a move, but doesn't know where to start. We'll get more into that later, but one example would be if the message hits on prayer And the pastor charges the men saying, men, make a commitment to start praying with your wife every night before bed. And tonight is a great time to start. He could even give examples of how easy it can actually be. The man who believes this is best for his marriage, kids, etc. can accept the charge and do it because he was challenged by another man and not a nagging wife. And I don't mean that negatively about our wives, but men are going to receive it more from the uh, another man. So. Let's define biblical manhood as <clears throat> excuse me. Let's define biblical manhood as the first and leading role in human creation. It is men fulfilling their God-given role to protect, provide and lead with boldness, humility and strength. But what does it look like practically speaking? One point I want to make uh, with this is when men turn from passivity to activity, there will be a radical God-glorifying effect on marriages, families, communities, and future generations. So we're going to break it down. Protect and provide. Because of man's order in creation, chemical makeup, and charge given in the garden, we know that God commissioned men to honor, protect, and provide in every situation, whether it be spiritually, physically, or emotionally. In the spiritual sense, it is their responsibility to protect their wife and children by praying over them, leading them to church and serving, giving and obeying all that God commands. In the physical sense, men are to protect the purity of all women. And I said all women. 
whether married to them or not. Outside of marriage, sexual purity rests on the man's leading. This physical, physical purity should be done in word and deed. Some examples of opening up your current or future marriage to, enemy, to the enemy's attack, as well as going against God's design, would, would include emotional affairs, viewing pornography, or inappropriate communication in person, text, or on social media. This applies to men of all ages, so that means teens, preteens, and seniors. When married, the man's job is to provide boundaries and protection around the marriage. Emotionally, the man should protect and provide by being willing to listen to others, ask what's wrong, initiate reconciliation, pray, and to simply show care to the people in his life. Since women bear children, the man is expected to ensure the family has what it needs to survive and thrive. This does not mean that the man must be the breadwinner, but to have a plan in place to have the final say in how resources are spent. We understand this situation may change under extenuating circumstances, like if the man becomes unable cognitively to complete these tasks. So that's the first section that we want to kind of hit on, protect and provide. I mean, what, what are your thoughts, guys, as we as I kind of read through that, anything that stood out to you guys? Um, generally. So growing up, I wasn't always a church going kid. My family wasn't always church going, but I've always believed that there's a huge break in communication in whether or not, not in whether or not a man can do both, but in balancing being masculine enough to provide and protect your family, provide for and protect your family but also making sure that you're still who you need to be, um, whether it be in the community, within your family, within friend groups, within relationships that you have. Um, I think that who you are can be based on and strive, thrive off of how close you are with who you believe in and who you believe in being God in, in certain, certain aspects of your life and making sure that you're always following along with the road you choose to go down real quick i would say like yesterday in my quiet time of doing like a study through um the hymns of heaven album phil wickham is doing it and one of the quotes he said in there was <coughs> the he's been married for like 10 plus years or something like that but he said the more i love my wife the more i love my wife so like i know that sounds simple or like kind of confusing at the same time but the more like the more acts he does for his wife in terms of like praying over her at night or like making her feel loved in certain situations like um getting her coffee in the morning like any kind of act he does in service to his wife makes him love her more just like like anything like a relationship with Jesus the more time you spend with him the more time you actually feel like you're connected and flowing and like feel close to him. So like what he's called us to be as men is to continually be the leader of your home and be the, not the breadwinner, but like the person who oversees the, like oversees the whole family. The thing that stood out to me would probably be the, uh, the God commissioned men to honor and protect their, uh, their ladies married or in a relationship dating engaged. You got to be able to fight for her, be able to protect her in any situation that come about that she has to be able to rely on you. But also, 
you have to fight with her when it comes to emotional stress, anything like that. You'd be able to help her out with that stuff and give her any advice or be that shoulder she can lean on when it comes to crying or just need someone to rant to. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. Like when you say fight with her, you know, some people might hear that as going having arguments or whatever with each other. But, you know, it, it is our job to come alongside um, of the women in our lives, whether it's our wives, our girlfriends, our sisters. Um, you know, I, I know as a dad, like raising up you and your brother and then your sisters, you know, there, there's always this expectation that I have that as a dad, there's an expectation that I know my daughters have that I'm going to do certain things and I'm going to protect them in certain ways. And, and, you know, that's just an understanding. And my desire is as, as you and your brother have gotten older and, and more established that, you know, you're also being that role in their lives. And I think that applies to, you know, when I look in this room, I've got, you know, you know, my, the, the, the fruit of my loin Tanner, and uh, so that's an expectation I have for him to be able to protect not only Hannah and Hope, but Mommy and, and Bella and, you know, any other woman around. But at the same time, I look at Jake, who's my son-in-law, so my legal fruit of my loin, I guess you can call him. And, I, you know, I have the same expectation for him about protecting Hannah, obviously, but also to have a, a, a say-so in speaking into the life of, of uh, hope and being there. And then even Nathan is as a friend in our family, you know, he has a responsibility as well. And I think the point that you look at on that is, you know, too often I see that men treat women as a, uh, an object versus uh, a precious, you know, jewel that they are. So when, when you think about things like protecting their purity you know, it's easy to understand that part. It's hard to do, I think, in men today. But what about um, what about the whole, like, you know, you think about the breadwinner thing, right? So, and uh, the whole making sure your home is, uh, the decisions are being made right. Because I think in today's world, you're going to see, you'll probably have people that even listen to this podcast that a woman might look at that going, you know, I don't answer to no man, you know, I'm independent. I make my own money. So, you know, how do you guys see that playing out in the world today? And what do you think, what, like, what are your perspectives on that? Like, how do you approach that situation today? Well, I can speak, uh, for Hannah and I, um, just from like the two years plus that we've been married, uh, the first like six months of being married, I was the only one with a job with and not like a great paying job. So it was tough, but we made it made it work. And fast forward two years, like now we like both have really like decent jobs. And the only thing that's changed is that we're even closer together in the way we we talk about money, the way we spend money and the way we save money. And so like, I guess what I'm saying is like in most, most families, the husband and the wife 
are more like more than not likely both working and so yes you can say it's your money but when you got married y'all decided to be one and you decided to be one in every single way and so the i would say just the if you want to be closer if you want to feel connected you will be on the same page with your part with your spouse about like all the financial decisions and ultimately like what you're saying biblical masculinity the man has the overall overall say but it's only because she's supporting what you're what you're saying mm-hmm. i struggle with that a lot because i was always the one no matter what relationship i was in i want to be the one making more money because if i wasn't making more money than the other person it made me feel a little smaller than i actually was but then i got knocked in the side of the head with uh, reality and realized I'm not going to make more money doing the things I love compared to the other jobs that everybody else loves that make a lot more money than me. Mm-hmm. But it comes down to trust because if you're in a relationship and she trusts you to with the finances, no matter if you're making more or less, you, she has to, you have to trust each other. But if she's making more money and holds it over your head, like I'm making more money here, I make the decisions, that that's no bueno. What do you think, Nate? I I think there's a lot to be said about a, a man being expected to be a breadwinner. I don't think me personally. I don't think it's always the healthiest thing. I mean, people people derive the thought of a man being the breadwinner of the household off of the fact that a woman has to be out of work due to you know God's gift of bearing and having children. And quite honestly, as as most men can agree, being better at raising them and and taking care of them the way they need to be taken care of. And just because they're at home doing that doesn't mean that the expectation of a man being out making more money should be set in place because that doesn't necessarily mean that he would have been making more money if she was back at work. And although, you know, there's a big expectation of men being able to provide and support and protect their family i'm i'm a big believer in the fact that a man should provide for his family and honestly be the only one providing for the family it doesn't mean he has to be the only one but he should be able to do it on his own because that's that's what we're in place for because if we're doing that then our kids get a better life our wife gets a better life and we get a better life because we can look on that and say that you know we're we're providing for those that we love but i don't think that that should always be a stigmatism that you have to be the only one that's i don't think that's necessarily true yeah i mean i agree i don't i don't think anymore you know our our world's gotten so turned upside down really in in many ways that i don't necessarily think that the the man's going to be in a situation to always be the higher income earner or be the sole provider um I, I will say this though when I when I when I think about the context of you know the financial piece or really in any aspect of marriage you know I look at it as our our jobs are to be leaders and to lead our homes and I was just having a conversation I was at a conference this week and the conversation I was having was about leadership. And the, the point I was making was a good leader doesn't have to be the smartest guy in the room. A good leader needs to be willing to bring the smartest people to the room. Because if your strength is managing finances, then take on that role. 
if your strength is not managing finances, then work closely with your wife if she has that strength. You know, a, a strong leader is able to cast a vision and is to able to trust people enough to allow them to use their strengths. So, you know, whether that be finances, whether that be um, education, whatever that may be, you know, we're not called to be everything as husbands. You know, we're, we're, we're called to be husbands, which as a pastor, in our, Pastor Shannon would always say it was like a house band. You know, our job as a, as a man in the home is to keep the home connected. And the only way that's going to happen is to put the right people in the right spot. Hey, what's up? This is Tristan with an unpaid advertisement for Black Rifle Coffee. Our family is passionate about finding companies that support our causes, and the Black Rifle Coffee Company is just the one. They are committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and the true heroes, the first responders, with every purchase we make. Not only is the coffee amazing, we love to watch their commercials because they are a super creative team and they love America. Be sure to visit the coffee shops popping up all over America as they have gone public recently. My favorite blends so far are the Fit Fuel, the Five Alarm, and the Freedom Roast. Check it out and maybe you too will love it just as much as my family. All right, so we talked about being a house band and, and really our jobs as leaders. So I want to hit the next section and we'll kind of wrap it up for tonight. But the next section was called Reject Passivity and Lead, Lead, Lead. So men are also called to reject passivity and lead. We are called to be active and alive. 1 Corinthians 15.45 says, Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit. Christ, our example, was not just about being a living being. He was about giving life. Passivity was man's first sin. And it, it was what the enemy will use time and time again to keep the wife feeling unloved, the children undisciplined, his temple or body unhealthy, his home not taken care of, and the community not served. Hence, creating an atmosphere for the enemy to thrive and future generations to be greatly impacted. Practically speaking, being active means initiating, making decisions, working when it's time to work, and resting when it's time to rest. And leading his family in the rhythms of life based on the family's culture or values that are decided upon. God starts with G-O, go. Is that a coincidence? No. Men can choose to be a rudder or they can choose to be an anchor to guide or direct their wives, family, and or community or hold them back. Another analogy that I often like to use is have to choose between being a thermostat or a thermometer. Both tell you the current temperature in the room, but only one takes an action to change it. Men must set the mood, the motivation, and the mission in their family. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14 says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Love can be interpreted as being soft. 
That is not what's meant here. Men are not called to be weak or soft. Men may have to confront in love. We may have to set strict boundaries in love. And we may have to help our friends tear down idols in love. Part of the curse of mankind was that women would be tempted to rise up and want to lead over her husband. It's very difficult for a woman to biblically submit to a man that is not leading. Submission means to get under the mission. But that is impossible if there is no mission. Side note, that does not excuse the wife from honoring and respecting her husband. But that's a whole different podcast. Along the same note, men should stop thinking they have to have all the answers to lead and engage with their family and to be an intentional parent. His children are in grave danger when they are not made accountable to be under the mission, authority, and guidance of the pastor of their home. A single woman would need to rely on God the Father and other strong male leaders to help with this. God will equip single-parent homes to care for their children and household. Leading also results in other men seeing your good deeds and maybe meeting the God he is glorifying as a result. Biblical masculinity allows the world to see Christ. In addition, are we getting just as excited and creative with our marriage as we are with fantasy football, golf, Netflix, social media, and our jobs? Men must choose what message they're giving their kids and to the sphere of influence. Our lives are on display for the world to see. So I'll tell you, as a dad, as a husband, as a man, when I see a bunch of guys who are just so jacked up and passionate about things like fantasy football or video games or you, you name it, right? But they have zero excitement about their marriage it makes no sense whatsoever to me because when I was a child I act like a child but when I became a man I act like a man so when I when I accept the responsibility to become a man and to love my wife or to protect the women in my lives but I'm distracted by a game it just seems kind of twisted, doesn't it? Young gen boys, young yeah. men. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, the first thing that popped in my head was, I mean, yeah, you can be a leader, but there's two different types of leadership. You got servant leadership and you just got boss leadership. Servant leadership's the one in the front of the sleigh helping you pull it. The boss is the one sitting in the back whipping you, getting you to go faster. So if you're going to be a leader of a family, you can't be sitting on the couch telling your wife and kids what to do while you sit there play your call of duty zombies you got to be up there motivating them and leading by example because i mean if you raise kids the way of sitting on the couch the way of 2022 if you lead them by the way of 2022 their kids are going to lead their families by the way of 2027 28 That's which right. is even lazier did I, did I enjoy watching you guys play video games no <laughs> because we never played. I, I'll never forget the time you had some buddies over and I walked in to ask you guys a question. You guys were like 18, 18 or 19. Y'all were in your room. and um, Probably playing Legos and Build-A-Bears. No, 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 no. <laughs> so you guys, I mean, the, our, our kids didn't have really video games to play. And then 
when we did get video games, we bought them that the whole family could do things together. But then when the boys got older, one of our big things was you're not going to have like um, video games where you're connecting with people online. But I remember when you guys were like 18 and you had some of your buddies over and this was probably, you know, a year or so before y'all enlisted in the military. So you're pl you're playing a video game. You guys are kind of laying on the floor in your bedroom. And I walked in to ask you guys a question. And y'all looked at me. And then as I was talking, you were unknowingly to me and you were trying to pause the game. What I saw was you were playing the game. I remember this very clearly. Yeah. And I just looked at them and I said, all right, I'm not talking to you. When you guys grow up to be men, you can come see me and I'll deal with it. And I don't even know what I came to ask you. It was probably about. You just came to project. ask us what our plans were for that day. Yeah. Because I became a man and I came to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had to do it. Somebody had to lead. What do you guys think? Well, just right there, when you, Tanner just mentioned you, he became a man and came to talk to you. I would say like in marriage when there's conflict or when the when you mentioned if the wife is not respecting or honoring her husband the man has to lead in the sense of not being passive and shutting down and like getting all in his head and not not communicating and then letting it build up over time and then exploding he needs to humble himself and continue to love his wife make her feel love make her cherish her and like in that process when she sees that he's still loving her and taking care of her making her feel loved through that she'll learn eventually to start respecting and honoring him what do you think Nate? um i might be getting i might be getting onto a side note kind of a Sorry, away bro. from from what we're getting at but one part that stood out to me, and it stood out to me huge. It says, along this same note, men should stop thinking they have have to have all the answers to lead and engage with their family and to be an intentional, intentional parent. Um, I think there's, there's another break in communication when people are expecting men to have every answer to every question and every situation and every solution. I don't think the pressure should be on the fact that you should have the solution. The pressure needs to be on the fact of whether or not you want to find the solution. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of, of that communication can be found in, you know, in your prayers and how you think of, of who is looking down on you. And it's, I'm, I've heard it millions of times before but god created us in his image he didn't create us to be him we are not perfect we don't know every answer we don't know what to do in every situation we have to know to look to him to find every answer and to know through him what to do in every situation and one thing i've learned in life as i look and i mean i'm 20 years old but one thing I've learned as I've, as I've grown up looking at people much older than me is that there's a lot of times when, when you know older people are looking upon younger people and they have the intention to learn from them because they understand that sometimes the younger, younger people know something. And one thing I've learned, if anybody were to, were to care to listen, 
is that I gave up on trying to figure out every situation when it was directly in my face. I just decided that in the moment, at the moment that I realized it was an issue, that I devoted everything I had to finding that solution. I didn't pretend to have the solution right away. I just made sure I devoted myself to finding it as soon as I could. And there's a big difference there. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I, I mean, I know we're talking about biblical masculinity. There's a reason you call it that because, you know, what's the saying that there's, you know, the Bible has more answers than you'll ever have questions. So obviously the, the answer is going to be somewhere in the scripture. But the reality is that the answer you're looking for next week may be what he's teaching you today. I also think that, you know, the guy that I want to understand how to be safe around a skill saw may be the guy with nine fingers because he's experienced the, the pain and the hurt. When I look at that, I think about... I didn't know you only had nine fingers. I only have, well, it's eight and a half. Okay. <laughs> when, I, when I look at what we're talking about with, with this piece, I, I think about like guys where if I am a guy and I'm hanging out and my buddies are all going to, you know, B-dubs just to have wings or whatever. Mm. Boneless wings. No, Those boneless are chicken wings. nuggets. No, no, it's not. That's, this is a men's discussion. Oh, right. This is bibl- um, biblical masculinity. That's right. Not, biblical masculinity. Okay. Yeah. Not, not churchy. Masculinity. Not churchy masculinity. <laughs> um, so, so think about those scenarios. And, and I know every one of you guys in this room have, have faced this. When you say, you know what, guys, I'm probably just going to go home. Every one of those guys, for the most part, look at you. Come on, man. You got to go with us, right? What are you doing? They challenge you. They get in your face. They, you know, it's easy, right, to get in your face and to push you to do something that makes it good for them. But if they see you hanging out with the wrong girl or doing the wrong things, are they as willing to jump on you and say, dude, you don't need to be doing that? No. Why? Because... The first thing I think about is as a collective group of guys, they want to be able to pick on another guy. Mm-hmm. But if it's a man-to-man conversation, nobody wants to have it. Nobody wants to have that conversation and be that one guy. Why? Because they're not part of the group. It's not what everybody else is doing. It's the times we're growing up in. Being, yeah. being Having love and being soft and being able to, to drop down to a level, it's, it's almost like dropping out of your masculinity for a second. To, st- to stop being a man and try to think outside of that mindset and try to think on the level of someone else around you, that's it's being a baby, it's being soft, it's being anything that somebody could think to call you, and now it's looked down upon. And I, I totally believe that you should be a man all the way through your life, but I, I also strongly believe there's a lot of times where you have to let masculinity go for a second and understand the situation from other points of view. you got to think outside of the box. So, And that's an interesting point. I want to ask a question on that, because if I'm understanding you right. So if I'm in a situation and I see another guy doing something they shouldn't be doing or hanging out with the right girl or whatever, and all the other guys around me are saying, come on, man, just you know, no big deal, just let him do that. For me to step back and go, no, guys, I think we need to have this conversation. 
it, it doesn't make sense, does it? No, but, it doesn't. But because, yes, it is. Because in the reality... Because that's exactly how they would react to it. Because they, if you... If you point it out. Yeah, because if you look at the scripture and it talks about stand firm in the faith, be strong, act like men. What, what we're seeing and what you're painting a picture of is what we've done in our society, not just in this generation, it was in my generation too. We've completely perverted what manhood is really about because it's easy to be strong, and I'm saying, I'm doing air quotes, it's easy to be strong as long as everybody else around you is believing in the same exact thing. That's the weakest thing you can ever do. Well, it's like a it's it's like a field of sheep. It's like a flock of sheep. Absolutely, it's a group of a group of guy friends, and you know we're we're on that topic of a group of guy friends. Every single one of you is sheep until something serious comes up where someone needs to stand up and make you know make a man's decision. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the moment you become a shepherd, you have to make it to the other side of that field, and that's not always very easy. And you know all all of the other. All of the other obstacles around you get bigger and bigger and bigger the further you go to stand up. And and I think it's interesting too because like when you mentioned sheep, like as guys, like I know the guys in this room, you know we we want to be masculine, we want to be manly, we want to be you know tough, uh, hoorah, right? <laughs> but you know, so we're willing to wear the shirts that say or the patches that say sheep dog, not sheep. You know, all these things that are really cool. But are we willing? to really step out. I'd be the first one to call you out. Would you? Yeah. I've known for that in my unit right now. Good. You, I, you should be. I have called out W5s, which are unicorns in the Army, because nobody ever makes it that. I've called out lieutenant colonels. I've kicked a general in the hand. I'm the first one to call you out for your mistake and put you in your place. But I'm also the first one to answer all the questions you have about your mistake and help you through it. What I was going to say, and and I want to make sure that there's an understanding there because I think that if somebody listens to you and you say that, I know you well enough that when you address that with someone and you call them out, you do it in a very respectful way. Yeah, I'm not going to be like, yo, bro, you messed up. Don't do it again. I'm going to be like, hey, man, these are the rules. You kind of passed them. Let's not let it happen again. Here's the ways that we can work this out. I'm not going to, I mean, my job requires me to be very strict Mm because if they do something wrong in the back, we could all die. Right. So you have to know when to call someone out and you have to either be respectful about it. And in some scenarios, you have to be a little pushy about it because your pushiness can either push them into death or push them into safety. So that's a great point too, right? So I think we we have to determine what's the line of life and death. Is it a decision that's going to lead a black hawk to go down? Or is it a decision that's going to lead to a marriage breaking up? Or is it a, is it a decision that's going to lead to someone maybe going through an addiction? Is it, is it a decision that's going to be maybe a person, you know, putting themselves in a precarious position with another person that could make an impact in their lives? I think that, and, and, and that really drives home a point because I think there's a lot of times that men sit back going, that's not a big deal, just he'll be fine. 
and and I'm a firm believer that one of the biggest reasons why we as men don't want to challenge another man is because we don't want another man challenging us. Would you agree with that, Jake? Yes, I would. If you aren't willing to step out of your comfort zone and challenge someone, like like in the it's in the scriptures, uh, but like you got to take the the log out of your own eye before you can take the log out of your friend's eye. So like if you are harboring something. Like like all the guys that are at beat ups and not confronting the one guy, it's because they all have things that they're not proud of, so they don't want to address. They don't want to address the problem with that guy because then he's just going to turn around and and embarrass them. And so like, you have to be in order to act like a man, you have to be pure in your own heart and and trust that all you, your decisions that you've made are are solid and that and then that then you can go to your brother and, and, and confront them. So, uh, all right. So I'm going to challenge it. I, I love this, by the way. It's old man versus three bucks. So I'm, I'm going to get churchy on you then. Mm. So if I see you doing something wrong and I know I don't have all my junk cleaned up, am I going to go to the scriptures and go, don't point out the speck in another man's eye when you have a log in your own? Is that what the spirit, scriptures are telling me? I black, what, what was the question? Right. I mean, <laughs> so, so, so am I going to go, okay, I'll go back to, I'm going to go churchy on you here. So the scripture says, do not point out a speck in another man's eye because you have a plank in your own, mm-hmm. something like that. I'll get to my biblical references here. So as a Christian, it's intense in here, folks. You got to see this. People are sweating. The girls are loving it because the guys are in, in freak out mode right now, but Am I going to use that as an excuse to not call you out? Because I look at you, and by the way, I'm not looking at Jake in the way he's doing anything wrong. But if I saw you doing something wrong, if I tell myself I can't say anything to him about that because I got junk in my life, is that what the scripture wants me to do? No. I mean, I'm pointing out a speck, bro. You're pointing out a speck, but like... Don't I would only have I would have to know what your problem is in order to like respond. So like no, you I, I think man, this is a tough question. You can't shoot metal without getting a ricochet. You know what that means? No. <laughs> that means you're gonna shoot metal, like you're gonna fire your shot at somebody, mm-hmm. but you can expect him to fire a shot back at you. Is that yeah. okay though? Okay. Yeah, I, get, I mean I I feel I don't like it's think fine. There's for anything me. wrong with it. I mean, because if you think you're all perfect and you go call someone else out and they call you back out, it kinda humbles you a little bit. But is it calling them out? I, I, I use that a lot, but it's actually just like, I don't know. I don't know what the proper term for that is. But think about that for a second. Hey. Man. And I'm glad you're saying that. Because if you're doing something wrong and I go to you and I call you out on that, and I'm, I'm legitimately calling you out out of love. Like imagine for a second, Tanner, hypothetically. Okay. If I ever called you into my room and said, dude, that girl you're dating... She ain't God's best for you, bro. Right? That would ever, I don't know if I would have ever said that to you. Which is not the case. It's not current case, I can tell you, but (laughs) there have been previous scenarios. But it doesn't mean that when I'm telling you that, that I I look at my life and go, everything I'm doing is perfect. I'm rock solid on everything. I I know I've, I'm a, you know, Billy Jack wagon in the areas of my life. But if I see you doing something that I, no is not good for you i can't let that prevent me by resting on my 
failures to not love you enough to come talk to you. Now, it's all in the heart of how you approach a situation too, right? If I'm going to going, Nathan, you ain't you ain't worth a crap, dude. You can look at me going, who are you, right? Right. I I think I think that almost brings up like a a shortfall in in the topic of biblical masculinity, right? Because I think a problem that a lot of men have is a lack of responsibility in the past in in everything in their past. They a lot of people don't want to take responsibility for some of the things that have passed. But one of the upsides, so if you're the individual calling out someone doing the wrong thing and you're not afraid of them calling you back out because your your moment of leadership to call them out is giving yourself a moment in your life where you can look at yourself because regardless of what they say to you, you know what you've done. It's mm-hmm. not something you're hiding from yourself. Right. So if they choose to call you back out, then have a moment together. You know, make the decision that first of all, the person who was called out in the first place, you need to stop what you're doing. You need to sit and think about the choices that you're making right mm-hmm. now because someone who cares enough to say something has said something. And then you need to take a moment yourself and decide whether or not what that person has called you back out on is going to be this defining oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm not who I thought I was. I'm not as perfect as I thought I was. Or is it going to be a, that is something I need to work on and it's something I'm going to work on. Right. You know, it's interesting. I remember telling a good friend of mine, um, Jeff Messenger, one time I said, you know, I want to give you, uh, let me just preface. I've been told I can be intense. Would you say that? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks, Dan. Everyone, <laughs> everyone listening. And everybody that. said, amen. amen. So I, I remember looking at Jeff and saying, look, I want to give you permission to call me out. And, the, and I even explained to him, I said, dude, I, I'm going to let you know how it all is going to play out. I'm going to do something that's stupid, potentially in my life. You're going to see it. You're going to come to me and you're going to go, hey, Jeffro, you need to stop doing this. I'm going to get mad at you for saying that to me. You know why? Nobody. Because I have pride. Yeah, nobody likes getting... Right, you're prideful. That's one of our challenges. And, and some people may receive it. I'm just telling you who I am, right? I'm going to get prideful. I'm going to walk away from the situation, and then you're going to let God work on me. And when God works on me, I'm going to come back to you because I'm going to thank you for loving me enough to call me out. The, the biblical side of masculinity is the the maturity to turn around and come back Absolutely. to the situation. Now, I also told him, if you don't call me out, God's still going to work on me. And then I'm going to come back to you. And I'm going to say, Nathan, I thought you loved me enough, man. Why didn't you call me out? Mm-hmm. I don't want to live my life thinking that I was too much of a nine, too fearful too concerned to allow people that I love to go down the wrong path. The top 11 ways to live out biblical manhood. Number one, be an initiator. Have a plan, come up with ideas, and make them happen. Number two, have an opinion and vocalize it. Number three, be watchful and vigilant. Protect your family physically. Number four, budget, save, plan for the future. 
Number five, never do anything that could make someone question your marriage or set your wife up for failure. Number six, fight for your family, not against them. Number seven, keep an active mind, never idle, and stay engaged. Number eight, be bold in the truth. Number nine, be calm in the midst of the storms. Number ten, ask for forgiveness and be willing to resolve issues quickly. Number 11, cast vision for your family. Keep the family unified and be the, ther the thermostat. Thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you liked what you heard, leave a review. We'll see you next time on the Saturday Morning Crew.